Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Hey, and welcome to the first episode of the ABCs to live your dope life. This is Marin McHugh. I needed to take a moment to uh, offer a little bit more of an introduction for my first guest as I was so excited getting her on the phone uh, that I neglected to introduce her. So her name is Jana Romer, and she lives in Venice Beach, California. I met Jana uh, just over 10 years ago in Edmonton, which we get into at the beginning of this interview, so I'm not going to go into detail, but I've known her for a long time and have been able to witness her evolution as a wise and noble and inspiring person. So she... um, kind of uh, embodies self-love in all of her different ways of facilitating. She's a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, yoga nidra teacher. She does her own teacher trainings, retreats, new moon circles. She is a mama of two. Uh, You will hear little baby Augie on her lap throughout this interview. Um, So it's a really special uh, interview overall that I feel so privileged to have been able to um, get her on the phone and have this conversation with her. So without uh, further ado, uh, welcome to the first episode and my lovely conversation with Jana Romer. Thank you for being my first guest. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I love that you thought of me. It's such a compliment, such a blessing. Oh, good. Yeah, no, you're on my mind a lot. I'm very inspired by what you do and uh, have been for a long time. And I thought that might be a good place for us to start is how we know each other. Uh, (laughs) So I don't, I'm actually curious to hear like what your first memory or memories are of me. Cause I have my perspective of, of when you came into my life, but I, I would be very intrigued to hear what you remember. Well, I remember you from Lululemon first of all. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'd have to think for a minute to the first time, was it um, the amazing yoga challenge that me and Cole did? Did we meet, did I meet you then? Mm, potentially. Cole's definitely, when I was thinking back to like who my first teachers were that brought me into yoga, uh, you and Cole mm-hmm. are the two people that like really, really sparked my interest in yoga. So it's very possible. I don't recall though what that yoga challenge was. Well, you would remember because it was like the amazing race meets yoga. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fun. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was definitely Lululemon. Like yeah. you were at Lululemon and I was teaching. And I remember there was, I, I see you in different studios. I can see your face a lot in Nourish with your brother. Yeah. Um, but that was more recent. But I also remember teaching at Lululemon. I remember you from Lotus Soul. Yes. Um. Yeah, it, there was just a lot. I just remember a lot of you when I was in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We crossed paths a whole lot. And actually what just popped into my head, I think the the time that we had some substantial space together was when you were doing your ambassador photo shoot for Lululemon and I was the support. I don't know if you remember that. Like, I remember. What, yeah, and I had like different outfits for you to change into and we were just like wandering around downtown taking photos for yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the ledge ground. Yeah, yeah, so funny. Yes, yeah, yeah. so that was like 10 years ago. Probably. Yeah, 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 10 or 12 years ago. 
So a lot has yeah. happened since then. Uh, but really this, like the purpose behind this podcast um, is that I want to be speaking to people who have played a direct or indirect role in my healing and my continued fascination in all things yoga and philosophy and the universe and consciousness. And when I was thinking through who those people were, you were like one of the first people that came to mind. So, um, yeah, like you've played a huge role in that. I don't know if you know, like how much suffering I was in back in those days. And you were just like this beam of light for me. And, you know, I'd walk into your class and you were just so creative and intuitive. And I learned so much about how to move and how to be and how to breathe just from your classes. So I, yeah, I'm very thankful and grateful for you. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. Mm. That was such an amazing time for me too, because I would have met you early in my teaching career. And so so on my side, as the teacher, I was always in different trainings and studying and creativity and talking about things that mattered was really important to me. Mm. I mean, it still is. It was really, really important. And I remember some of the themes that we went through when you were coming. Like, I remember talking about anger Mm -hmm. and shame and you know, like I remember we went into some pretty deep stuff yeah. um, in a public class. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's really yeah. like I remember back in those days, too, when I started getting into yoga and I would I would say like, yeah, I really like yoga now, but I would never be a teacher because it's not for me. Um, but it was after. I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was really after experiencing you and Cole and uh, a few other teachers in Edmonton that I was realized, oh, it's not what I thought it was like I had this limited idea of what yoga was or what being a teacher was and 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 you guys really cracked my mind open to see that actually it's so much more than I had imagined so yeah cool pretty wow thank you yeah that's so cool yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I know you've got little Augie on your lap right now um and (laughs) one of the first questions I, I really wanted to ask you is you know what's what's on your heart today or recently like what's what feels real for you right now oh wow you know it's interesting my husband so since meeting you in Edmonton I've moved to LA and mm-hmm. um being a Canadian living in California is a really interesting experience because um you know from a visual perspective they look like very similar countries but when you get underneath to the root um and like what's going on in the nervous system and the endocrine system mm-hmm in the two different populations. And I am very much generalizing this right now because there's amazing people and there's um, tra- people that have been traumatized everywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, the two countries as a culture, as cultures are so different. And, um, you know, one of the things that my husband and I have been having a lot of conversations about is just the general safety in America right now. Mm. And, um the the ways in which we have been miseducated as a population, and this is not just the U.S. and Canada, but overall in general, how we've been miseducated as a population when it comes to things like relationship and emotions and mm-hmm. sexuality. And, you know, there's a lot. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been really on my on my mind lately is like, are we, are we actually safe in America? Should we be leaving and moving to Canada Mm. or is it safe anywhere? Are we overpopulated? It's like kind of dark (laughs) Um, reality just looking at right now. Yeah. And that's what's real for us, especially just welcoming a brand new baby. I'm like, when I had Freddie, I didn't think of any of these things. Freddie's my five-year-old and with Augie, it's just brought a whole different contemplation of what we're doing here yeah interesting yeah I can definitely relate to that I've, I've had many conversations recently where I've said very similar things and it, it for me it's like a very thin veil where I can I can go into like darkness and despair and not in like in depressive way but like seeing how how scary things are right now and you know if you really fixate on that and look at all the things that are not working uh, it can get really, really heavy. And on, on the same, yeah. 
you know, flip of the mm-hmm. coin, I can go into like, oh, but there's also this abundance and possibility and look at all these people doing all this amazing, beautiful work. And uh, it, for me, it's the veils become thinner and thinner where it's like just, you know, one one sentence after the other, I can switch into that that dark place. Uh, it's yeah. like all coming to the surface right now or this is a real, like it's getting to a tipping point, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, and I can I can reflect and mirror the exact same thing about the beauty and the abundance and the joy and yeah. all of that. And I think that, I mean, to bring it into my daily practice, being yoga nidra, that's it, though, is the ability to hold those two polar opposites totally. simultaneously mm-hmm. and being able to be real with both of them. So not being too extreme in either, but be real and sit in reality with both of them rather than trying to band-aid it over with positive thinking it's mm-hmm. like okay so this is really challenging and hard but this is really beautiful and like expands my heart like nothing else mm-hmm. at the exact same time <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest things for me in my own healing process was recognizing that I don't need to just label things as good or bad or just move towards the things that feel good and you know avoid or talk myself out of the things that feel heavy and yoga nidra definitely was a big part of that, of being able to step back and, and be like, well, what if I just hold space for both? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just taps us into the complexity and the non-dualism of, of real life. We, if we want yeah. to experience the highs, we have to be open to experience the lows. And, yeah. and the amount of darkness that I experienced in my adolescence, now I see it as a gift. I'm like, wow, I, I know how dark it can get. And that gives me a little bit of perspective into how light it can get as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah well you mentioned uh yoga nidra and um <laughs> so this podcast is called the abcs to live your dope life and i'm moving through the alphabet so this was something that held me back for a while from stepping into starting a podcast because i wanted to have a really strong through line that could take me through many different conversations and and then I just started going through the alphabet and naming off these really beautiful concepts in health and wellness and mental health um, with each letter and I could do it no problem with every letter and so then I was like okay that's it alphabet so here we are at a (laughs) and uh, (laughs) astrology and astro nidra is um, something that I'm really really intrigued by right now and I'm by no means an expert in any way uh, I'm just fascinated with it and I love talking about it. And I know this is a big one for you. This is how you're spending a lot of your time right now is in this realm. Yeah. Um, and I've learned so much just from reading what you've posted and, and what you share in your Astro Nidros, Astro Nidras. So I'm, I'm curious to hear, first of all, what, what brought you into astrology? Well, honestly, I've been into astrology my whole entire life, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in on an acreage outside of um, Craven, Saskatchewan. You know, the town itself has about 150 people in it. Mm. And then we were outside. I could see the stars and the moon every night. And that was really in in my darker times when I struggled. That's where I went. I laid on my back and stared at the stars. Mm. And I used to know all the constellations. And um, just to kind of fast forward through, I would, the first thing I ever bought when I could buy something on the internet, <laughs> when the internet started, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was a was a natal chart reading, and then um, it really started to open up when uh, I witnessed my one of my best girlfriends, Blair Houghton, who I think you also would know. <laughs> I don't remember her. Um, you don't remember her? Mm-hmm. Anyways, she she's one of my dearest. Um, she, I watched her get her chart read by somebody. And I was blown away at how accurate it was. I was like, wow, this is a real language. Mm. And then doing moon circles and um, just paying attention. And I remember it was actually the same year that we did that shoot. It was the year following mm. that that year. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting down with uh, my intentions on my solar return in, for my birthday in October and I wrote down, I want to know the moon intimately. I want to understand the movements of the moon intimately. Wow. And so I started from watching it in the sky, like where does it rise and where does it set? And 
how is the timing of the rising and the setting different depending on where we are in the moon phase and what side of the, you know, like all of that stuff to actually know the moon as I track it with my eyeballs Hmm. (laughs) in the sky and then meditating with the moon. So Hmm. I would do a lot of open eye dyad meditation with the moon. I remember one um, Christmas, it wasn't Christmas, it was the solstice. There was also the full lunar eclipse and it was freezing. I had my little house in St. Albert. And I put on my snowboard boots because they were the warmest boots I had and, and my ski, my whole like snowboard outfit. And I sat out in the yard because there wasn't a window that I could look out and see it. And it was, you know, late night, full moon, freezing cold, dead of winter. My then boyfriend was like, you are insane. And I was like, I have to do this meditation. Just sitting out there staring at this lunar eclipse, which was like two or I think it was almost two full hours long that year. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, Um, and so that's where my astrology really began, was watching the patterns of the planets and the stars in the sky, and um, since I've studied it from more of a theoretical or or scholarly type perspective, Mm -hmm. um, when we look at like ancient Babylonian astrology, they said the stars that you can see, or the planets that you can see, have the biggest influence on you, so always watch the sky um, where in modern days we just log into the internet and we can see where everything is. Mm-hmm. But are we paying attention to what's actually in the sky? Because that's where it's stronger. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's been a lot. It's been a lifelong um, interest. And then I only started doing readings after I started the astro nidras, um, because I would do them for fun for my girlfriends, and they would be in tears or in great laughter or feeling really validated and seen for the first yeah. time. And they're like, "You have to do this for people." And so. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's nice to follow what's being asked for instead of just going Mm -hmm. with what you think is needed and enforcing it. And I'm speaking to myself right now when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really wonderful. I that's so fascinating that you just wanted to sit outside and watch the moon and track it. That's like talk about a calling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's really neat. Uh, Well, how does how do you use astrology? You know, we'll dive into Astro Nidra after this, so that I know that's a big part of how you use it, you know, on a daily basis or as a part of your um, your business now. Um, but how else does that show up? Like, is it just threaded throughout your entire day? Are you always thinking about astrology and using it? Or is it, you know, segmented? Or, you know, what, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Well, it comes and goes because what I tend to do is write astrology in batches. So during the phase that I'm writing, I'm paying really, really close attention. Mm-hmm. And then when I take a break from writing, I actually take a break from looking at the astrology. And then usually I'll start to feel funky or I'll notice my husband and I's dynamic shifted or mm-hmm. my son is like not sleeping or he's wild. And then I'll be like, what's going on in the stars? Mm-hmm. Or another way that I, when I'm taking my little breaks, from looking is I get a whole bunch of DMs or text messages Mm -hmm. from friends saying what's going on in the stars. I'm like, Oh, I should look, (laughs) you know? Um, And the reason I take a break is because it is a map to the collective unconscious and it shows how we're being influenced with particular energies. But if I get too intertwined with it, then it's more like I'm a, I'm projecting instead of living. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So I like to, I like it, and I also like to live. And yeah. so it's like anything where you have to find a balance. Totally. But what I do more um, consistently is I've tracked my own moon journey through my needle chart. So we all have a, we all have a chart that shows the, the, um, where the planets were at the moment of our birth. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the natal chart. And the reason why this is important is because, well, there's a couple different philosophies, but the one that I really like is that when we're in utero, we aren't experiencing gravity. We're floating in this amniotic salt-like fluid. And um, if we, the moment that we're born, we experience gravity for the first time. And depending on where the planets are, you know, we have to, pan way out and look at the solar system as a element of a greater galaxy or a greater universe. And if you look at it from the outside looking in, it's pretty magical that there's this 
star called the sun, and there's some sort of magnetic gravitational pull that keeps all these very particular planets in orbit with this sun. Mm-hmm. And depending on where each planet is in this orbit, they pull on each other's electromagnetic fields. So lots of times we look at, yes, we're being um, influenced by the planets, but we're also influencing the other planets with our presence here. Right. Um, and so the moment we experience gravity for the first time, the electromagnetic field of the Earth imprints into our subtle bodies, so into our endocrine system, our nervous system, the nadis and the, and the meridians and, you know, all the different um, subtle body mm-hmm. experiences that we have. And so that first imprint is the deepest, just like our first zero to two years of life has the greatest impact on our subconscious mind. Um, that that um, position of the planet influences our, our deep subconscious. Mm. And so then it plays out throughout our life. And so what I do is where the moon is in the sky, we're always looking at it on a personal level of where it is in my chart. So right now the moon is in cancer. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, cancer is in my um, 11th house. And so my 11th house, it's like good fortune. Mm-hmm. So right now it's like for a couple of days, it's, it's a good, it's a fortunate time for me. Mm-hmm. Where when um, it's in Libra, although my son is in Libra, so is my Pluto, which is death, transformation, and rebirth. And Pluto brings a powerful punch to it. Mm-hmm. And it's also in my house of self-worth. And so when I notice when the, when the moon is in Libra, uh, I have to really watch my thoughts because mm-hmm. that's where I'll tend to get caught up in some old programming about worthiness, yeah. for example. And so by knowing where the moon is in my own chart and how it's influencing me personally, yeah. um, that is one of the ways that I use it on the regular. And okay. it's really helpful. Yeah. It's helped me overcome so many of my own challenges. <laughs> it kind of, it sounds like it's, it almost becomes like a coaching system. Like you, you look at it and receive insight or suggestions or coaching from the sky. Absolutely. Yeah. That's 100% what it is. Yeah. And so how many... How many houses are there? Mm-hmm. There are 12 houses. 12 houses. Okay. So when you look at it, it looks like a pie right. chart yeah. with 12 areas. Mm-hmm. So there's 12 archetypes. And so an archetype would be like, what's your sun sign? So I, yeah, I started, I went through this um, last week because I have a, a friend who's a sound healer and she started asking me like, what moon sign are you? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I, <laughs> and she was appalled. <laughs> like, what? You need to do your, figure it out. And, and so I know, um, so my son is cancer. Um, but what's interesting about that as well is that growing up, I swear I was Leo because my birthday's July 22nd in the evening and July 20, uh, July 23rd is Leo. At least now it is. And I, and so this could be a, a a missed memory, but I remember when I was younger, I, I was Leo. Um, but again, might be wrong. So right now I'm cancer. And then my moon is Aquarius and my rising is Capricorn. You know? Oh, cool. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't know that uh, the house stuff is, is definitely more complex. And I know that's something that potentially, like I was just going through a free website. And if I actually like reached out to someone like you to do my reading, then I would get a little bit more detail on it. Yeah. So the easiest way to describe it, so if you're a cancer, according to your natal chart, you've always been a cancer. Okay. Where the sun is and how it changes signs is not perfect with the Gregorian calendar. Mm. So it's very likely that you thought you were a Leo because you didn't look at your natal chart. Mm. But if you, like my mom is the same. She's a Scorpio Sag cast and she always thought she was Scorpio. Yeah. And then some years she would say she's a Sag. And then we looked at her chart and she's definitely a Sagittarius because okay. it's where the sun was at your birth. Okay. Um, yeah. It's common for people where with their birthday on the cusp. Yeah. Um, so the easiest way to think about it is the, the houses are where in your life this is unfolding. And the sign tells you more about the archetype or the... Like the archetype is like a, it's almost like a cloak that we wear, mm-hmm. you know? So um, 
as a cancer, you have perhaps a desire to take care of people or to nurture people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's like very protective. People don't understand how protective um, cancer is. And so that archetype is something that we adopt. It's not what we are. It's what we adopt. And it becomes a strength in some, in some of our weaknesses all wrapped up into one. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the planets, they're telling you what. <laughs> so what part of your personality or what part of your expression is being affected. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But it is complex. It's kind of like a matrix. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's really it's yeah. really interesting. Um I actually had a an experience this summer. You know, I've been I've been doing you know, personal development is definitely an addiction to me in many ways. Like I just love it and it's something to be mindful of that I can, you know, not go see people because I'm so focused on developing and learning. And uh, so it's like this superpower that definitely becomes a weakness if I allow it to take over too much. Um, but one of the things I've been really paying attention to in the last couple of years is this uh, desire to help people, um, especially people in my family, but people I'm close to and, and help them heal and help them grow. And Um, but doing it in a really like forceful and frustrated way. Like, why won't you just listen to me? And (laughs) I have the answers, come chat with me and I'll help you heal. And, and then when there's resistance, it would, you know, I would just feel like this anger come up in me. Like, I don't know, it was just really fascinating because I was trying so hard to be compassionate and patient, yet this impulse of anger and frustration kept coming up and I was Mm. so curious about it. And, and so one of my, my teachers, Christine Wuschke here in Calgary, She's a myofascial yoga teacher and um, a Reiki practitioner. And so I went to do a Reiki session with her. And I remember it was July 10th and went and laid down on her table and, and told her about this, that I'm noticing this. And, you know, I'm really trying to be patient, compassionate and soft and gentle. And I just have so much fire and anger that keeps coming up. And and so through some conversation with her, she she was asking me questions and then noticed, like asking me to notice what's happening in my body. And, and one of the things she said to me was, you know, thinking about the people in your life that you're trying to support. And, um, I think what she said was, I accept you as you are. And she said it a few times and I could feel this um, intense energy in my jaw, like my jaw was starting to lift. And so I told her that, and she put her hands on my face uh, around my jaw and continued to say what she was saying before and, and kind of exaggerated the movement that I had described so I could really sink into it. And I suddenly got this flashback, this memory of me at five years old. And I was a like fiery little kid. And I, I had this memory of putting my fists up ready to fight. And my jaw was jutted out, like my bottom row teeth ready. Cause I don't know, maybe I thought that made me look tough. And, and I remember like stepping in front of my brother when he was being picked on and stepping in front of my mom when my dad was yelling at her. And, and, and so knowing that I, I'm capable and I want to protect and I'm so ready and like bring it on. But then also this, I guess, adult self now feeling angry and frustrated. Like, why do I have to be the one who protects you? Like, I'm, I'm just a kid. Like, I want to be playing, but here I am protecting you because I'm the strong one. And, and so it was this moment of realizing like, this is something that I'm gifted at and I'm good at it, but too much of it again becomes, uh, like a self-imposed prison and, and to be able to see that and then tell this little child in me like, Hey, I've got you now. Like, like you don't need to fight anymore. You can put your fist down because adult me has got it. And, and I witnessed this little child in me relax and then Christine asked me, you know, where does she want to move into your body? And, and so I called her into my heart and watched her curl up. And ever since then, like this fear or this anger or this impulse to frustration is gone. Wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah I'm still wow. in awe of it. Like it was such a beautiful moment to see that and just recognize that, you know, these things that happen to us as we grow up, like they get stored in our body. And, you know, and I I love that, that concept of non-dualism too, of, you know, we need to lean into the darkness and embrace all of it. That's really how we can integrate all of it instead of being fragmented or separated. And, and to me, the more I'm learning about astrology, the more I'm seeing like, this is a beautiful template or map to learn even more and integrate even more. And, and connect to the vastness of the matrix of the universe that we're all 
intricately connected to. Yeah. Mm. There's a little Augie. Yeah. Yeah, a little Augie. Well, and also interesting is as an Aquarius moon, one of the things that you get to learn in this life is patience because Mm -hmm. when you are, once you've moved through an experience and you see the bigger picture or it's become embodied wisdom, the Aquarian moon can sometimes get really impatient with other people. Like, why haven't you caught up yet? Like, I get this. Why can't you get this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's me. <laughs> That's so interesting. And well, yeah. well, why don't we dive into Astro Nidra? Because I'm, I, I love Yoga Nidra. I'm, uh, I'm now a, a facilitator of it. I, I record it all the time. Listen to my own. Bring it into my coaching. It has been an amazing tool to practice myself and to teach other people. And and you've really taken Yoga Nidra and turned it into something so unique. Uh, and. I'm fascinated by Astro Nidra. So I would, I would love to hear the way you describe it and even how you created it or, you know, anything you want to tell us about the Astro Nidra journey. Well, it's so interesting because I know that um, my first yoga Nidra training was with the same teacher that you did yours with mm-hmm. Tannis Fishman. Yeah. And um, Tannis, um, one of the things of her training is that you have to hand in at least when I did it we had to hand in two scripts to Mm -hmm. her um as you know our final assignment and one of the two scripts that I gave her was to attune to the moon it was the first script I ever wrote on my own was uh need to attune to the moon Mm. and um I actually just found it I'm going to do a couple edits and I'm going to record it cool (laughs) um but what I noticed when I was doing the practice before I trained with her was that when I would do a major practice and then journal and then afterwards look at the astrology, my journaling and my reflections were often very much aligned with what was going on in the current astrology. Mm. And the more I did the practice, the more I recognized how I was very easily able to navigate some of these bigger energetic waves that were coming through the astrological um, field. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, well, what if I just made practices that were designed to attune you to and get the best out of the astrology right now? Mm -hmm. And at first I was making them just for myself. I wasn't really sharing them. And there was a woman who came to a bunch of my classes because my, my lead classes in studios were always attuned to the astrology mm-hmm. every time. And um, one of the women in the class was like, you need to live stream these. And I was like, no, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> and then she was like, hey, you need to record them. And I was like, well, I'm recording my own. And she's like, hey, send them to me. <laughs> you know, like, let me try these. And I started sharing them with a few friends and they loved it. And so then I got a little bit more serious, but I was mm-hmm. doing them to the moon cycle. I was trying to do it to the lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. But what I came to re- recognize was doing them to the solar cycle was much more, it's masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, the sun is masculine. The mm-hmm. moon is feminine. And it's a feminine practice of receptivity and reflection. Right. And that to balance it with a solar sun experience because the moon is reflecting the sun's light anyways. Mm -hmm. And so we're aligning with the moon, but we're, we're, we're attuning to what the moon is reflecting by sticking with the sun. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. So I use the sun seasons now and the idea behind the, the practice is that Astrology, there's, okay, first of all, there's so many branches of astrology, but mm-hmm. one that really fascinates me is medical astrology okay. and embodiment astrology. And so the different signs, the different, like the different archetypes live in the body in different places. So for example, Aries lives in the face and Taurus lives um, in the senses. And Gemini lives in the hands and the arms and the lungs. And as you go around, you know, 
they all live in different areas of the body. And so then I started to look at how can we um, embody, sorry, and they also go with organs and they also go with glands. Hmm. And so I started to look at how can we embody the the organ or the body part more fully that aligns with the astrology that is being influenced the greatest. Wow. So, yeah, it's so fun. And I'm still refining and working this out. That's why I haven't created a training for it yet because I'm still like, okay, what is this? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's so interesting. Uh And, yeah, and with Nidra, like if I, let's say we're in Taurus season, the Taurus season one, I worked all of the senses. Um, in the Sagittarius season one that just is live right now, Sagittarius rules the legs. And so I actually started the body scan at the feet and I worked up through the legs, which I know is like breaking the rules of the traditional um, body scan, but I've decided that I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if it's done on purpose, right. like if it's done for a reason. Yes. And then... Um, and then um, because we're reprogramming something in ourselves, uh, I recommend that people do the practice for a month because it takes a while. Like let's say we're working out a really old pattern of playing it safe and we want to be more adventurous. Mm-hmm. It's going to take more than one 35-minute practice oh, yeah. <laughs> to get us shifting. Right. And so, and then now that I'm creating more of a library, like some seasons have three practices now. Yeah. And so... Now that I have more of a library, I look at like how, first of all, what's the best for this current season right now, but behind the scenes, because I'll be creating a website that I can put the most relevant one for the day up, mm. um, how all of them are still relevant every day. Mm-hmm. You know, every, like the Sag season last year is totally relevant for Sag season this year because <laughs> we're working with the archetypes. Right. Yeah. So, That's yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, such a creative project. Yeah. And I had this really cool experience with, um, uh, I did a Joe Dispenza retreat in Italy. Oh, what? I've done a few, but the one in, yeah. Cool. I've done a few, but the one in Italy, I was doing, he does these walking meditations, and I was um, walking in Sardinia, looking, oh, here, Augie's awake. I was (laughs) looking at the horizon, and... Um, he cues us. I don't even know what he cued us, but all of a sudden I just got this this message, like what you're doing is the voice of the luminaries. And so my process is to really listen, like what is the the message of this sun season and how can I create an embodiment experience of it through the practice of yoga nidra? Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's really... Because astrology only wants us to awaken and heal. It's yeah. benevolent. Yeah. Yeah. So how many um, Joe Dispenza retreats have you done? Four. Four. Like the intense week-long ones? Well, I did his um, Progressive Live uh, back when he used to do those. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, a dance retreat in Sardinia, which was life-changing. And then my husband and I together, it was our first post-children ship um oh no I guess it wasn't but it was our second vacation that we ever did together mm-hmm. and we did his um advanced follow-up so that one is totally different he's focusing really much uh really on yoga nidra but also lucid dreaming and and that alpha theta border and into theta and how yeah. do you awaken in there and how do you activate the pineal and what he's doing is teaching us how to bring ourselves to a natural DMT release Yes. And then I did another advance when I was pregnant with Freddie okay. or with Augie. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. That's that's definitely on my bucket list is to go to one of those retreats and I don't know what do I'm it. waiting for. That's <laughs> Does he do yoga nidra at those retreats? He calls it the laying down meditation. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Are you are and you familiar actually, with um sorry, Daniel Siegel's work? No. Yeah. Yeah, he's a so he's an author as well, um, and uh, I I don't remember all the different titles he has, but he's um, a fascinating man, great writer, very philosophical, but goes into the same realm as um, as this stuff. Uh, but he has a meditation he calls the Wheel of Awareness, and I experienced it a couple years ago uh, before I really knew Yoga Nidra, and and I revisited it 
a few days ago. And, and what's really interesting is I, I realized, or my, my experience of it is that it's the very masculine version of yoga nidra. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like he walks through this, this wheel and the, the hub is, is our awareness. And then the rim of the wheel is all the different things we can know. And he broke it down into four different quadrants. So the, f- the first quadrant is the senses, the five senses. So he moves us through those. And then the second quadrant is um, interoception. And then the third, which is um, for people who don't know, the, the sense of in your body, like when you know you have to pee or you can feel your heart beating, it's what you feel inside of you. So developing your ability to feel more inside your body. And then the third quadrant yeah. is mental activity. And he goes through, oh, what's really interesting about this part is he has two different parts to it in the meditation I listened to. And the first was basically open monitoring of just witnessing your thoughts, the longings, the desires, the stories, uh, you know, anything that's mental activity. And then the second portion was witnessing the architecture of your thoughts of, you know, how, oh, does, how does it come into your mind? Does it pop in? Does it flow in? Is it startling? Is it because of a sound? And then does it feel stuck? Or does it release right away? And then is there a gap? Or does another thought come right in? So watching the architecture. And then the fourth quadrant is interconnectedness. So it's going through like the um, sympathetic joy meditation, basically, of expanding your awareness out to feel the energy of the people in the room. And then continue out to feel family, friends, your city, your province, your state, until you've touched the whole world. And then come back by becoming aware of your awareness and then he goes through mantras. And it's like, this, it was so fascinating to lay back and listen to it. And I'm, I'm really fascinated right now in general with the balancing or the rebalancing of the masculine and feminine. And, and yeah. to be able to experience that is like, okay, this is something that, you know, I think a lot of people who might be averse even to yoga nidra, it, this one is so structured and segmented that it was, it made it really simple to lay back and go through. Yeah, so I'll I'll send you some things on on that because I th- I think you might find that really interesting as well. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. I just recorded a a meditation of it myself um, a few days ago with a client, so I'll send you that so you can listen. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So I I don't want to take much more of your time. We've been going for about forty minutes, and I imagine Augie wants your attention. Um, <laughs> so I I actually. I just have one more question for you. Um, even before I get into that, though, I guess, is, is there anything else unsaid or anything you feel compelled to share or ask or put out there? Well, yeah, I, I think that one of the things that I, one of my, I guess, inspirations for what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. with the astronomers and with the astrology is that we live in this very separate, divided world you know like we we are witnessing so much division and polarity playing out Mm -hmm. that the only thing that i see that we all share in common is that we stand on the same earth and we um we are heated by the same sun and we're staring at the same moon no matter where we are in the the world Mm -hmm. and uh what i've noticed with the practices is that there's people from um i think we're just over 70 countries around the world where the download are being or where the practice is being downloaded and it becomes this practice of unification now where even if we don't know each other we're working on the same things and I find that to be something that um, is a little bit unique in that um, we can all be meditating or we can be doing yoga nidra but to create a community that we're doing we're sharing a practice Mm -hmm. you know it's it's the source of unity that is ultimately, you know, kind of meta because the practice itself of yoga nidra brings us back into that oneness experience, that mm-hmm. feeling of connectivity. And so, yeah, that's that's like I'm hoping or I'm, my vision is that it grows in such a way that we really start to feel connected, um, not just through the practice of yoga nidra, but through paying attention to the astrology. Like mm-hmm. if we all knew that <laughs> the, sun, the moon is in, cancer and that means we're going to be a little bit more emotional maybe we could be a little bit more tender with each other yeah. or if we all know that mercury, hey, if we all know that mercury is um 
during in a retrograde um, phase, then we could stop trying to get people to do things, and, mm. you know, work collectively on completions and collectively on revisions and reviewing. And, you know, we could be more harmonious in our, in our rhythm. Mm. So, yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. That's, to me, it's, it's really tapping into how we can conserve and create energy for ourselves yeah. and for other people. Which would Absolutely. be such a gift. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. To share a rhythm. Like, yeah. could you imagine if we shared a rhythm? The animal kingdom shares rhythm. Yeah. But we forget that we're animals. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got out of, like, we're out of step with this rhythm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I'm so grateful you're doing this work. And I, I love that, you know, we're, we're both doing this work in our own unique ways that I know is, is serving a lot of people. So it's, very exciting mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah, yeah thank you for what you're doing this sounds like a really fun um endeavor for you yeah i've got lots of fun things on the go and i, I actually want to i'll send you my latest recording of um my latest yoga nidra as well because i'd i'd be very curious to hear your insights um and a really cool full circle moment for me since i've laid back and listened to so many of yours i think it would it feels um, it would be very serendipitous to have you lay back and listen to mine. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah, I would absolutely awesome. love it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I <laughs> guess that you. goes out to anybody who's listening. If you want to experience Yoga Nidra, whether you have or haven't before, um, you can reach out and I can send you a couple that I have so you can experience it. Um, okay, so I have potentially a very off-color question for you that I'm... <laughs> This is still kind of like a work in progress, and I'm not sure if this is the direction I'm going to go yet, but there's kind of like a, whether we call it a sister podcast or, you know, whatever, I don't know what I'll name it yet, but um, another side to this podcast potentially that I want to call the ZYX to live your dope life. Okay. And the concept of this is to um, invite the people I've spoken to to see if you would be interested in ingesting a little bit of cannabis and then having another conversation and, oh yeah that's hilarious <laughs> and and part of the purpose behind that is you know educational um for anybody who's interested in, in listening um but also the, the the idea that we can overdo or underdo anything so this is not about like let's go get blasted and have a conversation and I know you have kids too so I was like I don't know if she's gonna want to do this um <laughs> But then also to be able to play with the different strains or, you know, even if it's, um, you know, anything that uh, feels like it would be supportive for where you are right now, whether it's CBD or, you know, just a very low dose of THC, of sativa or indica. But um, I wanted to open that up to you and, and just see, you know, what's your experience with cannabis so far? And is that something that you would be interested in potentially doing with me? Well. I love the I love the idea and cannabis has been a part of my journey for sure. Yeah. Um, I've been pretty clean because I've been pregnant and so yeah. I'm breastfeeding. So we'd have to time it when um, it works with my family. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and I and yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept because a lot of times when I have been with friends and we're talking about, you know, as we do the topics of awakening and how we want to change the world, make it a better place. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes giggle at the thoughts and the, the dialogue that we have together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it would be, I think it'd be really interesting to do. Okay. We just have to figure out the timing. Sweet. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you several months. Um, so then, uh, but yeah, I would, I'll circle back with you. Cause I think, um, I'm just going to put it out to a, a, the first several people that I talk to and just kind of get a gauge for it before I force something that's not needed or being asked for. Um, so this is my practice of patience and being graceful <laughs> and gentle, putting it out into the universe and seeing um, what comes back. So I'm, yeah, thank you for being open to it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Joe Rogan. It's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, um, where can we find you? Your social media, your website, where's the easiest place for people to be able to track you down? 
yeah, the easiest is my Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And it's just my name, Jana underscore Romer. Mm-hmm. Um, my website, I try my best to keep it updated, but it's not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am planning on getting better at that, though, once I'm not so tied to this guy. Yeah. Um, but also Insight Timer is a great place. Mm-hmm. I've got three um, practices on there. I also have a course on there that we do. We do yoga nidra, but we also do breath and and body scan meditations and journaling and a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, awesome. Um, and it's called it's called to overcome obsessive thinking, but I think the course should more so be called um, really great tools for every human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're a human, you should you should like these can be helpful. Yeah, yeah, good call. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I have a little I have a couple things up on YouTube as well, hmm. so I can give you those links. But yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, hopefully my I've been slowly working on a new website for the Astro Nidras and what I really need to do is come up with a new name because now we also have the cosmic walking meditations and 2020 I'm putting out breath meditation or breath practices as well and okay. they're all embodied astrology practices. Oh neat. So okay, so yeah. you're expanding yeah. your brand to to include all that. Well, I've had the cosmic walking meditations for the for about 6 months now. Okay. And um, they're not as popular as the Astro Nidras, but I find them to be super relevant to mm. be eyes open and mm-hmm. going into a coherent state and checking your system with the kind of chemicals that you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's rehearse some joy and rehearse some gratitude for the sake of altering our, our neural, you know, the receptors in our brain yeah. so that we start to, you know, build an addiction to chemicals that are helping us emotions that are that are advancing or like evolving us right um but not only that like visualizing and and getting clear on what you're going to do for the day or you know the cosmic walking meditations are designed to take on your walk with your dog in the morning or on your way to grab coffee or on your walking commute so and then the breath i'll make them shorter Mm. yeah they're fun i'll send you one oh thank Um, you yeah, mm-hmm. that's neat. And yeah, the I actually, ones are shorter. it reminds me that um, I know we both love to geek out on the endocrine system and happy chemicals. So that could potentially be another conversation for us as well. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, I would love that conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, Jana, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know it was a little bit of a juggling act to be able to connect with. <laughs> little August there so I really appreciate you and I'm so grateful for all that you do and who you are and I feel really lucky to know you and have you in my life so thank you oh thank you Mm -hmm. thank you for having me yeah and I feel blessed to know you as well and I think you're doing really great things in this world Mm, thank you all right I'll let you get back into mommy role uh thank you (laughs) (laughs) it never really ends Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to chat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at dopamine. That's D-O-P-E-A-M-E. Or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, Love big and play big. Peace.